But this morning, I was thinking about, or I have been thinking about this week, getting kind of mentally prepared for this weekend. I know the last time I talked, I talked about forgiveness, and I talked about the crisis and the process of, of forgiveness. And this week, or this time when I speak, what I'd like to talk about is how Jesus is training his disciples to understand that, and how do they understand that. They understand that through how he teaches them and how he brings them about. But first, what comes after a person comes to know who Jesus is to begin with? We know that the disciples were present whenever Jesus taught. They were there along with other people, and the more that it was talked about him in the, in the community and in the crowds and crowds kept coming more and more to see this person who did all these things that was a carpenter's son. So he um, is with his disciples, and I want to use the book of Matthew today because Matthew has a lot of these sayings that are pertinent to us. So this is after, well, let's go to the first chapter uh, that we're going to look at in Matthew is chapter 6. And let's go to verse 19, and I'll read quite a few verses, but this, this goes to the understanding of what Jesus is talking about. So let's start with verse 19. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy, where thieves break into steel. But collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and your eye, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can be a slave to two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. So he talks about now in verse 25, he's, he's talking to the disciples, telling them how can they put this anxiety behind them. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and body, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? You cannot add a single cubit to your height. Or you, why do you worry about your clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. That's how God, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field where it is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow. Won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So Jesus is talking about how anxious we get about the day-to-day. -day. And um, when he talks about you of little faith, is he trying to chastise his disciples and the people that are with him? The chastising would be a put-down. He would, he would be coming down on them, telling them 
that they're not, or there's something less than complete, perhaps. But he is not saying that. He's asking us to look at where we're putting our effort or how we're looking at our life and what happens to our life when we give our life to Jesus. How does it change? Apostle Paul talks about it in um, Corinthians when he talks about being converted. And the word convert is a military term that they used back in the time when the Bible was written uh, in, in the original language. And it was meant to, as we in the military have been, in formation or on a march, and all of a sudden the march commander or sergeant or who's ever in charge of the group says, about face. And we turn physically and we go in a different direction. Uh, that's what the word convert means. And he's talking about what happens when we become converted. Our life changes to the point where we have something given to us through how we have realized where our life is going prior to our conversion, prior to turning a different direction. And what Jesus is doing is he's teaching these people who are following him into what we, another word that's used in the Bible is sanctification. He's teaching them to grow and become stronger in their faith. And we who are human beings cannot understand what Jesus is all about because we have to remember Jesus is before time. He was in present time and he will be after our time is over. Jesus is always. Like he says that God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. The, everything in between is mine. But we have a choice with free will to whether or not we're going to go to him, convert or turn to him or not. Simple as that. What happens when we turn to him is that we take on this new life, this new responsibility that we get from faith. Will there be things that come in between us and our Jesus in terms of our faith? Why, it has to be. There has to be things that come between us because the devil is never ever going to be idle. If someone is going to put their energy towards believing in Jesus and putting what they have in this life focused towards heaven, they take away from the power that the devil has over sin. So we need to Think about that. So Jesus is talking to these people here saying, what are we worried about? What are you worried about? Why are you worried? Because everything that happens on this earth, God is in control of. Let's look at some other instances here. Okay, let's go to chapter eight and let's look at verse 23. Now this is Jesus when after he had been preaching to people and he gets in the boat and he's going to go across the lake with his disciples and he gets in the front of the boat and he falls asleep as he got into the boat his disciples followed him suddenly a violent storm arose 
in the sea so that the boat was swamped by the waves. But Jesus was sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. This is how we get in our walk of life when things come up against us, which could be considered a storm. Whatever life would put in front of us, whatever the world has in front of us, or whatever uh, temptations come up in front of us, or whatever test God has been to, we have to stop and think, well, what is this all about, or why is this happening to me, or how come, how come, why, how come? So the disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. So this is what happens to us when we come to know that we are in trouble and there's nothing we can do to solve this issue that we have. What do we have to do? He says to them, but he said to them in verse 26, why are you fearful, you of little faith? What he's basically telling these people is that even if the storm would result in your death, you have everything. He's not telling them, he's not trying to put them down. He's not trying to make them feel small. He's feeling compassion for them. He's wishing that they would grow. When you try to teach your child something when he's really little and they don't understand what you're trying to teach them, you wonder, why don't they get it? Why don't they understand this? This is how Jesus is treating his people. This is how he treats us. He continues to love us. He continues to give us everything. So what did he do then? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Small paragraph, a big lesson. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So this is the disciples learning shortly after they had been called to go to work with him. And he's showing them the glory of God and how he, in the human flesh, but in the person of God also, can control everything. So if God can control the winds and the sea, can he control the little things that come up in our lives that would cause us to doubt or to be worried or to wonder? Let's go to chapter 16. Chapter 16 in Matthew. So in the beginning of the chapter, this is where the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to Jesus and they're trying to tempt him. And they ask him to show us a sign from heaven. So he's telling them about the weather and you understand the weather because you've been around and you know when the sky is red that perhaps it's going to be in the evening you know there's going to be a storm perhaps so he's he's asking them to what what are they paying attention to and that would be a question for us what are we paying attention to are we pay, paying attention to what's around in our life or are we paying attention to the possibility that we're moving forward in this life every single day and what we have ahead of us. So then um, let's look at, they get into a, a boat and they go with him across to the other shore. 
Let's look at verse 5. Then the disciples reached the other shore, and they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus told them, Watch out and beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed among themselves, We didn't bring any bread. What is Jesus talking about? He's saying that where are these people focused? These people that are learned and they're supposed to know everything, following the rules and chastising people, putting people in, in their place, making them pay penance, if you will, for what they do, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they say, well, and he, Jesus is talking about beware of the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees, what this can grow inside of you, self-righteousness. Aware of this, Jesus said in verse 8, You of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets were collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand when I told you, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? It wasn't about bread. It was about faith. It was about where we focus our attention in our life. So what is he saying? He's saying that he gives us every opportunity to learn. He gives us the scripture. He gives us books to read, to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. He gives us this, why? Because he loves us. He wasn't angry with his disciples here. He maybe was a little bit exasperated like you would get with your child again, like when they don't understand what you're trying to tell them. Because Jesus knows and sees and understands everything. Everything. So let's go to Matthew chapter 17. And let's look at verse 14. Okay, and my, the heading in my Bible says, The Power of Faith Over a Demon. When they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures. And he suffers severely. And he often falls into the fire. And often into the water. I have brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't heal him. Well, let's stop here for a minute. When you think about what goes on, and even in our society today, in, these, in some of these very huge, large gatherings of where they have speakers who come out and say that if you have an affliction, you come forward and we'll lay our hands on you, and you will be healed. And a lot of people put thousands and thousands of dollars into these big organizations and they're never healed. They put their, mon their money and their faith into what? Think about that. And Jesus says in verse 17, you unbelieving and rebellious generation, 
How long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Now this is the first place that Jesus shows some frustrations because he has given prior to this the disciples the power to do that, to heal. Why couldn't they do it? Because they were doubting. They were thinking about in their own mind. They weren't relying on their faith in God. The faith that Jesus gave them freely. And it would be like I could put myself in that place. Would I have the power, do I think, in my own being to walk up to someone I see on the corner that's crippled and take them by the hand and say, get up? Walk away. Today your sins are forgiven. And would they get up and walk away? I'd begin to doubt. Is that really true? Could I really do that? So what does he say then? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And from that moment the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we drive it out? He told them, For I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would tell this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would, it would move. It will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. We can't do it. We don't have that kind of faith. And yet Jesus still loves us. He still will not reject us. He still will not leave us. He would be with us forever until we cross over. Now, I want to change pace, sort of. Let's go to Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 10. Okay, and so this is after the Pharisees and and the Sadducees come up to tempt Jesus about divorce. I'm not going to talk about divorce this morning because we're talking about faith, although that too is a matter of faith, divorce. Some of the people were coming to Jesus. So let's look at verse 13. So he's talking to a big crowd of people and and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are there and they're there to make fun of him and test him and say these things to him. Some people were bringing little children to him so he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come on to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Why does he compare? Why does Jesus compare the kingdom of God to a small child? Well, I can tell from my latest experience with my youngest granddaughter how willing they are to take what you say and believe it. They trust you. They look up to you. They need you. You caretake for them. You do all kinds of things. You feed them. You help them when they're sick. There's nothing you wouldn't do for your little baby. Nothing. So this is a comparison that Jesus is trying to put forth to his disciples when he says, don't stop them. 
For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So what does that mean in terms of faith? So if we look back at how Jesus was talking to the disciples when they were in the boat and the storm came up and he's sleeping and the boat is rocking and they're fearing for their life. And he wakes them up. They wake him up and he calms the storm. So there's a word picture there. But how does that apply to you and your faith? Jesus will calm the storm. They didn't trust in the fact that Jesus was with them because Jesus wasn't presently with them. His eyes were closed and he was sleeping. But Jesus isn't sleeping with us. Jesus is with us, always. Never leaves or forsakes. Who leaves and forsakes? We do when we get clouded up with the world. But does he throw us out? Does he tell us we're not allowed to come back? No. He says, let these little kids come back to me. Let them come back. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. The same way that we do when we pick up a little child when they need us and we hold them close and we bless them with our presence. We bless them with, our, with what's given to us to do, to help them, to feed them, to take care of them, because God has given us this child also as a blessing. So it's faith. It's about faith. So let's go to Matthew chapter 18, and this we'll end with. Let's go with the first verse, chapter 18. Verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to him and had him stand among them. I assure you, he said, unless you are converted, the word we talked about earlier, unless you turn around, turn your life around, and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles themselves like this child this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A faith, a little faith. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. But whoever causes the downfall of one of these little ones who believes in me, it would be better for him than a, if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of its offenses, for the offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom these offenses come. If your hand or your foot causes you to downfall, he's talking about where we go and how we, how we act. And he's being rather severe in his, his uh, statements here because he's saying, if your hand or your foot causes you to fall, cut it off. What is he talking about here? He's talking about what causes you to fall. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in sin. Let's go to verse 10. 
See that you don't look down on the one of these little, because I tell you that in heaven their angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save the lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one goes astray, would he not leave the ninety-nine on the hillside and go and search for the stray? And if he finds it, I assure you, he rejoices over that sheep more than over the 99 that did not go astray. In the same way, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So he's talking about us. When he looks at us and tells us we have little faith, he's looking at us in compassion. He's looking at us, telling us, that he believes that we, are, we should grow more and that we should put our faith in him more and that we should put our troubles away from us if we can. But we're human and sometimes we can't. But he's always there waiting for you. He's always there waiting for you. Like Trudy wanted to sing this song this morning, his eye is on the sparrow, the little tiny bird. But the end of that is, and I know he watches me. He's watching you, each one of you, not just today, not just for the moments that you're here in this building, but he's watching you till you cross over. So put your faith in him, how little or how small it might be, but put it towards Jesus because Jesus is yours. He wants you. He loves you. And he is going to stand before his father on the last day and say, see, I didn't lose one of these that you gave to me. In Jesus' name, amen.